Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 12th and final episode of Assets Anonymous, your 12-step podcast to get grounded in reliability basics and create a culture of continuous improvement with your team. I'm your host, Tom Welk, the Chief Editor of Plant Services, and I am pleased once again to be joined with George Williams and Joe Anderson of Reliability X, which aims to bridge the gap between operations and maintenance through holistic reliability focused on plant performance. George, Joe, here we are in step 12. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us, Tom. Here we are. We've done the 12 steps. This 12th step is on continuous improvement. And we talked a little bit before we started recording about what this really means. Uh, maybe we can start with the, the idea that over this series, we've gone through steps to develop and implement stronger maintenance reliability practices. And that now that the effectiveness is in place, doesn't mean you're going to be guaranteed to be efficient going forward. So let, let's start there, sort of unpack what that means. How, how, do you, how do you focus on the efficiency end of it? Well, if you've done the first 11 right, Thomas, you don't need step 12. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, we're, oh, we're done. We're out. <laughs> uh, so effectiveness by definition is um, doing the right things. Okay, just so that it's understood. Uh, effectiveness is doing the right things. So we've talked about all those foundational elements that you need in order to have the right things. Efficiency is just improving upon current practices um, and driving out more waste, okay, making them better. The thing is, is I can be doing the wrong things and still make it more efficient, right? A good example is, is if I have a 55-gallon barrel of oil and I dump it down the drain, okay? If I want to make that process more efficient, I might use a funnel so that all of the oil gets dumped down the drain, right? I've made that process more efficient. That doesn't make it right, hmm. right? And so understanding what the right things are and having those in place, that's where you begin. But now how can we make those processes more efficient? Things like planning and scheduling, things like executing work and setting up routes and using your PDM technologies, um, even on the operator end, you know, um, focusing more on quality issues like incoming raw materials and things like that, making those processes more efficient. I think uh, that's your continuous improvement phase and continuous improvement focuses on efficiency. So in the in the earlier steps, we talked about things like uh, operator inspections and things of like that. So so previously we weren't doing anything, right? We try to reduce the change over time by saying do it faster. And so what that leads to is skip steps. In the effectiveness approach, we're saying okay, you need to inspect this part of the machine to make sure it's going to operate well. Make sure the settings and gaps are right. In the continuous improvement phase, we're trying to see how we can do the right things more efficiently. And so we create a jig for the per person to set to do the setup and make sure that, yes, they don't, no longer have to take a measurement. They put this piece in place, slide something over, tighten it. It's going to be perfect because the jig is perfect. And so we've made their ability to do it faster um, and create it more efficiency, which can in turn reduce the changeover time, but it didn't change the effectiveness of the changeover. And so what tends to happen is it's very easy to be a critic. And so we, we have these CI teams and these lean teams, 
And with good intentions, they are going out to see what is happening, but they're not understanding the process or the effectiveness of manufacturing necessarily. They're going out to judge what happens today and try to make it in and of itself more efficient. And it could still be the wrong things. And so in, in the process we're at today, we're talking about you've done the effectiveness pieces first, and now we're looking to see how we can make those more effective and more efficient locally right at the line, right? Like having all of your materials readily available, not waiting until you need them to go get them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, lots of things can improve efficiency. And the continuous improvement cycle still includes the effectiveness side as well, because we're not perfect. And just because we went through that phase once doesn't mean we nailed it. Right. And so from a maintenance perspective, right, a good example is is setting up your machines for inspection. So, for example, running headers out of your machine from every bearing so that you can lube while the machine's running. The goal in maintenance is a majority of your PMs should be done while the machine's running. Mm-hmm. That requires you to set up things. So, for example, um, um, chain guards or V-belt guards, you cut out the front end of the guard and put plexiglass in. So you can do a visual inspection while it's running. You can use a strobe light. You can do all these other things, right? That make the process of doing the inspection more efficient, right? Ways that you can utilize your manpower in a way in which you can get more work done because things are being done quicker and they're just as effective. Right. Um, You know, single point lubers or putting on, um, you know, those types of things. That's stuff that you gain efficiency uh, with um, from a machine perspective. Mm -hmm. And then you you look at your processes. Right. Your storeroom. How efficient is the process in your storeroom of checking out parts and finding parts and all those types of things. So you start looking at that. Right. Planning and scheduling. Right. How well are you job kidding? How are the kits being delivered? Are you even kidding? You started planning and scheduling, but are you even kidding? Right. Mm-hmm. And then how do you work between planner and the storeroom to make that process more efficient? Yeah. Right. And th- that's where you're continuously improving upon the processes that you've put in place. Right. Your lubrication management, your PDM technologies, how efficient are your routes? Do you have to walk over a machine and then back over a machine and then back over a machine? Or can you do all of one side and then circle around to the other? Is that route more efficient? One of my favorite terms in our industry is squirrel stores, because a term had to be invented to describe the effect when people don't want to walk to the storeroom or think the storeroom is going to fail them. So they keep their own set of spare parts kicking around in various locations in the plant. Uh, sort of saving things for a rainy day. Is that one of the things you would target? Or is that, is that one sign that, that efficiency could, could be improved? Do you plant? need to store parts if nothing breaks? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about yeah. you become more reliable, then you don't have to worry about it. Right. It's a catch-22 also. If the mm-hmm. storeroom is actually being run appropriately, when you use the squirrel stores, as you've termed, um, the actual storeroom doesn't see any turns and so they stop stocking it and then when you run out of your squirrel store and you go to the storeroom they don't have what you need because they didn't see any demand right so they don't stock it anymore and then you're going ah 
storeroom messed up. You know, they never have what I want. So it's a catch 22. You end up, you, you got to get rid of those. Yeah. Yeah, That's called, not the same as not yeah. having point of use. I, I'm a firm believer in point of use, mm-hmm. um, but it needs to be managed by the central storeroom, mm-hmm. not in some technician's cart. Someplace. Well, yeah. Hidden stores and satellite stores are two different things. Right. I don't want to get that confused. Right. Yeah. Hidden stores is where people store things in cubbies and you can't ever find it. Only that one technician will be the superhero that pops up with the one part he jacked. I did that. (laughs) Where a satellite store is a location where you store parts. Right. For example, it's good to have satellite stores out on each line for operators for quick change parts. Things like suction cups, these wear components that can wear um, and that are nuisance. You don't want to take 20 minutes walking to the storeroom to change a two-minute suction cup, mm-hmm. right? You should be able just to grab it and change it so you minimize the amount of time you're done. Um, so satellite stores are a good thing. Hidden stores are not so much. Well, let's talk about planning and scheduling, too. Uh, and people, you know, they're, they're pretty convinced that of the usefulness of that role. How often do you see that role sort of fully engaged with the maintenance crews where everyone's sort of working together? Where, where do you see one of the, the, the easiest points of improvement in that, in that relationship? So I think that the engagement exists in most places, not mm-hmm. all. I think the easiest area to improve in this space is for the planner to truncate their scope. Most organizations have hired a planner because they, they, they listen to this podcast and somebody said planning and scheduling and they're going, man, if we do this planning and scheduling thing, we're going to be more reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, a, nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> That's not going to make you more reliable in and of itself. But B, they, they end up hiring a planner for 20, 30, 40 technicians and the planner's trying to manage the volume of work that comes in for that number of technicians and they just can't handle it. And what that leads to typically is a focus on the job plan and the hourly estimate and not in getting the parts. And the actual efficiency is in the getting the parts piece. It's in the technician not having to travel back and forth and get the parts. It's also in developing a partnership with operations to make sure maintenance works um, on as much work as they possibly can in the time they are allotted for a specific line trying to get more work done in that amount of downtime. Whereas today they just kind of show up and say, Hey, I need a line for an hour and they do one work order. And meanwhile, there's five other work orders that other people could have done on the same line at the same time and, and giving you back operational time. So I think there's two areas of focus. One is combining or taking advantage of the available time, the planned downtime of a line the second is descoping down to the number of technicians that you can actually get the parts for. How about we just get them to actually do planning? It'd be great. I think we've we've checked a box and said hire a planner. Yeah, instead of a rush order, the parts. Yeah. and now they're out being an admin and chasing parts down, um, like a gopher almost, and that consumes their day mm-hmm. instead of actually sitting down and planning out a few weeks of work. If we just get them to do that, it'd be awesome. <laughs> in that event, you've hired a, a helper, but you're paying right. them twice the technician level. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> we had a writer for a while, did a, three, four articles for us about the day in the life of a planner. Uh, for those who want to look on planservices.com, it was Steve Tuttle. 
And his days were just what you guys described. He was doing everything but the actual work of planning. He was running across the yard, locating this part. Why is this part not where it's supposed to be? Uh, special ordering parts when when the, the first line of order was, was going to be delayed, that sort of thing. Yeah, and so the first goal, right, in effectiveness is making sure you have a planner and that mm-hmm. process is in place. But that doesn't mean you're actually executing yeah. against it. That's where your efficiency gains come in is actually planning the work, kitting the parts, you know, utilizing your time, like George said. The planner is much like the line. If you believe changeover is a waste of time, and so all you try to do is make it faster, you're not going to be very successful at operating. If you think the planner's role is to run around and chase emergency parts, you're never going to get the benefits of planning because they cannot afford to spend the time to do it. Yeah. Well, let me ask a question about defect elimination, because uh, sometimes it feels like people think that once you put all these steps in place, uh, you're effective and you start to get more efficient, that defects will be eliminated. That's the end of the story. And and as we talked before the podcast began, that's not really the case. Continuous improvement, part of it is to be ready for when defects do occur. Pure and simple. Defects occur nonstop. I mean, why do we use PDM technologies? Right. We're going out to ensure that there are no defects, but those defects do initiate. The thing, the difference is when you're on the proactive side of things is you now have time. You have time to plan for it. You have time to order the part instead of stocking it in your storeroom. You can just order it because you have time. Right. And, uh, and you can, you have control of these defects. Right. Right. You know, on the reactive side, there's so many defects. You don't have control. You're firefighting nonstop. Right. But once you get in a steady state, you're always going to get defects, but you're being proactive by going out and looking for them through your PDM routes, through your CILs and all the stuff. You're constantly looking for them because, you know, they're coming. It's not like nothing stays defect free. Mm-hmm. The difference is, is when are you correcting the defect? Are you correcting it during a planned downtime situation? Or are you correcting it when it tells you to and you go down in the middle of production? Mm-hmm. Right. That's the really the key difference between proactivity and reactivity. That's so this entire podcast series being titled Assets Anonymous, the entire, you know, Joe just put it perfectly in another terminology, it's uh, are the assets managing you or are you managing the assets? And and right now, in a vast majority of locations, the assets are managing people. Yeah. Well, and, and to make observation about the whole series now, guys, this wasn't a 12-step process where you do one step and you're complete. I was struck by every single podcast that you've done. This is a daily focus, each of these 12 points of focus. This is not something which you can master and then move on. This is each of these 12 different things, understanding reactivity, understanding proactivity, becoming a fire marshal. You've got to deploy these skills, all 12, probably more than 12, every day, if you're going to move beyond reactivity into a more proactive state, right? You're never never really done. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, and this is a bare minimum. I mean, there's a lot more to this, but this is a bare, bare minimum. Right. 
these efforts are not um, a program. They're not, you know, there should have been a step zero where you create organizational discipline and leadership. Mm-hmm. That's because five. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But that's why you do it right. To create an organizational discipline that can go through the rest of this. Yeah. Because if you cannot sustain something and make it part of just how you do business, then it's not going to be successful sustainably. And, and that's what this is all about. This has to become how you do business, not an effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a project, right? A project has a beginning and an end. You know, this, like they always say, it's continuous improvement. <laughs> that means it goes on forever. That means there's always something mm-hmm. to improve. It's nonstop. It's not like, you know, the days do get easier and you gain more control, but you can't just let it go and it goes. It mm-hmm. just doesn't work. You're constantly doing things continuously, right? Yeah. That reminds me, uh, at meal times. my wife normally prepares the meals. I normally clean up afterwards. And just because we did it one, it doesn't mean tomorrow's not going to involve the same exact skills. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, right. it's an everyday thing. Uh, otherwise the dishes pile up and it's going to be a catastrophe. It'd be great if, uh, you know, the food would cook itself and the dishes would put itself away, you know, but not quite there yet. Almost. Almost Jetson's time. Um, You don't have a job at home anymore. Come on, Elon. (laughs) (laughs) Should Uh, be there already. Mm. Wow. Well, guys, I want to thank you for taking all the time to develop these these 12 podcasts. Uh, so thanks one more time for being with us. And we appreciate this. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for having us. Well, and for anybody who wants to see those other 11 points, you'll see all the, the other 11 steps of the podcast here on the Plant Services Toolbelt podcast page. So once again, thanks to George and Joe for Assets Anonymous. And take care, everyone. <laughs>